Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. And we have a couple guests with us in the virtual studio, our buddies Fox and Justin. How's it going, everybody? Hey, it's wonderful. Going great. I just saw Justin uh, just the other day. We went and saw a... Shazam 2. There's no 2. It's actually got a title. Shazam! Exclamation point. Theory of the gods. There you go. I forgot it does have an exclamation point to it, doesn't it? More punctuation and movie titles, I think. <laughs> right. Uh, thanks for coming, guys. There's no like, no numbers used as letters in that uh, in that title. You know, it, I think it was a, only in the last like 15 years have they finally got around to the idea that they need to just stop numbering these things and give them titles. I think that was a smart smart move. But so when they still come out things with like Guardian Guardians of the Galaxy three, you're like, oh, gosh, you haven't learned your lesson yet. I don't. I, I, th- I think we're on opposite sides of that. I would prefer to be able to tell from the title oh, what a, a movie is when it's in a series like that. I I, uh, I always have it uh, the same way, like uh, with inter- internet putting dates on things. It's like it just seems to date it. Like if you're if you're on Fast and the Furious twenty four, which is probably coming out next month, you're like, oh man, I missed number sixteen. My well, bad. yeah, that that whole series in terms of the way they they name things is bonkers to start with i mean tell me which one is the fast the furious there's one that's fast furious (laughs) the fate of the furious fast there's a few and there are a few of them that have numbers in them there's like fast reference i was making like uh like seven the movie seven or fate for eight of the furious fantastic four Um, fan four stick yeah fan fan four stick and fan four stick um but but I I am one hundred percent against uh, the use of the to indicate series <laughs> the Suicide Squad you're going there or whatever <laughs> like including or or excluding the the or naming a movie in a series with the exact same name as the original or another like I don't understand that one at all that makes Halloween, zero sense to like, me yeah like we already have to in some context use years in film referencing films to make sure you know like which version of tarzan are we talking about but like in the same series in the same like cultural generation or something like same handful of decades like why would you why would you just call it halloween how are we gonna know are you talking (laughs) about 78 halloween or 2017 halloween whatever those years i'm picking i'll say too another another pet peeve is when you get to like number three or four in the series you just name it after the protagonist like we have all these first blood movies and there's just Rambo. You know what I mean? Like, or and <laughs> yeah, Rambo was another Rocky. one too. Yeah. Rocky did that too. Oh no, yeah. Balboa? What was yeah, that? It was called Rocky called? Balboa. Like yeah. Jason Bourne did it. I think there was one called Jason Bourne mm-hmm, eventually. Mm-hmm. That was, that was a weird trend. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 one of the times that it, I think one of the things that they, they kind of came around to is like the Batman when they had, how many Batman movies were there? And they're all just called Batman, the Batman, the Bar- the dark Knight, dark Knight. Like, ugh, get get her. Yeah, the 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 Batman one maybe I could see because like it's out of the other series, but Suicide Squad and the Suicide Squad is literally insane. That's, yeah. Well, <laughs> welcome to our our new DC Universe leader uh, decision maker. So we'll we'll see more <laughs> of that coming up. Uh, but we'll talk about that. We'll we'll actually talk more in depth with that one later on when. Uh, Justin and I can yeah, talk about yeah. Shazam! Exclamation point! Fury of the gods. Um, it's like 
it's like panic at the disco. Right. With that so, so are you, uh, are you enjoying this, uh, bitterly cold winter weather, Dennis, in your, when you're with your camper in Hawaii? I am still in Texas, even though I drove about six or seven hours over the weekend, I'm still in Texas because Texas is huge. Yeah, they, um, they make all the roads go in a circle so you can't get out. You don't really know it. Just big circles. You're thinking of you're thinking of Indianapolis. Oh, right. That's yeah. not in Texas. That's right. Um, yeah, it is cold here. It's probably not as cold as it is for y'all, but I did have to unpack my heater again because it got. I mean, it got down to like thirty-six or seven mm. last night. Jeez, that's terrible. What what terrible life you lead. <laughs> uh, but you had you, you you did have your air conditioner on like a week or two ago, so that's uh, interesting. Last week, like like. Wednesday or Thursday, I was running my seat. I was further south, but it was very close to needing my heater, even where I was, even without moving, like from midday one day to early morning the next. I was like, oh, it's 40 outside. Yeah. I'll probably be all right. Are you are you prepared for the, the big journey up north um, for the for the Fox uh, Dencon? Uh, what's it called? Hoopla or festivities that's happening here. What two weeks, Fox? Is that right? Hoopla. Two, yeah, two weeks. I'll still, I'll still have been, I'll have been there three days, and we'll still be there. Yeah, nice. Yeah, a little, little less than two weeks. I will be doing most of that moving next weekend, and the first part of that week, I'll be doing like one and two night stays as I meander my way across Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, back to Indiana. So you may not live, is what you're telling us. As long as I don't your pepper spray on ride you. any scooters, <laughs> I should be you should be fine. I should be all right. You should be okay. Okay. Uh, um, any lime scooters, right? We're looking forward to you coming in, Fox. Are you excited? Yeah, we're very, we're all very excited. It's gonna be it's gonna be quite quite a soirée. I mean, yeah, it's just gonna be full of games and lots of laughter and revelry. We really can't wait. What 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 uh, what game are you most wanting to play when you come hang out with all your friends here? Uh, I think it's Power Grid. Actually, I'm a big Power Grid fan, despite you not always like that one. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? that? Justin's little snide remark there. <laughs> did you say you did or did not like that? No, no. I I, I remember you enjoying that game more than anyone else who played it. I just I, <laughs> it wasn't a bad game, but you really loved that game. I didn't I didn't quite understand why. Yeah, I do. <laughs> well, it's probably it was one of the first more complex games I've ever played. And just for some reason, every time I play it, I seem to have a good time. I also like Eclipse too, because I like, I don't get many chances to play games that take six or seven hours. And those of you who aren't aware, Eclipse is a territory control game, a la Twilight Imperium or other sites or things like that, but on a big grand space-based scale. Yeah, it's basically risk in space. Yeah. Oh, don't you say that word on this podcast. (laughs) That's been outlawed a long time ago. Space? Um, <laughs> the other one, I, I think, I think base. He doesn't. That's that's all, it. All, all uh, I I like the 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 analogy of, of the two. It's I think it fits right in the middle of you said um, T, uh, Twilight Imperium and and Scythe. I think yeah, it's right it's, in the middle. It's like the the baby of both of those two things. Uh, last time I played it, I think Justin won. So I need to play it again. So he can't be the last one I remember winning. It was the, the, the big game we played like for six hours. I remember Justin being on the other side of the board. He's like, I'm never going to win this. And then he ended up like <laughs> kicking everybody's butt. It was pretty terrible. I don't remember winning that game, but that 
I, I'm like surprised that. I didn't enjoy it more if I did win. <laughs> I, it, it's neat. Uh, I, I think I've played it twice. You know, it's, it's really difficult with these kind of things because they are like six-hour games. And honestly, most people can't play them more than once ever, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I'm definitely one of those people that I'm not a, a, a Pete, I'll say, is that where you get it on your very first go and you understand it and you're making maximized moves before the second turn. Uh, I, I'll take a second game before I'm like, okay, now I get it. And then I'll go back again. Um, and But we don't play it but once every two years. So then I forget everything. <laughs> um, That's a little bit how I felt playing Earth. We've talked about that game a couple times in the last, I don't know, four, six weeks or so. And somewhere around like a third of the way into our first game, I don't. I wouldn't say that I like saw the universe and fully understood it, but I was like, okay, this seems like the strategy here, um, in a way that I don't think the rest of the players caught onto quite as quite as quickly. And it is more my understanding of the strategy was simpler than the reality, but it was a kind of weird moment for me that I think helped me enjoy it, even though it's slightly more complicated. I'm definitely one of those people who like. If I go through that five or six hour game process, I'm like, yeah, yeah, again, yeah. But I, I might have a moment of delusion where I'm like, sure, I'll play the Game of Thrones game again. Oof. But I'm I'm glad that I paid that. I think a total of four times, and then had made the decision that I'm just not going to play it either. Nothing against it; it's a great game, but I'm out. Like I think I'm just out. Uh, I'll watch uh, next time it comes. Um. Well, yeah, I, I agree, Fox. A lot of games coming up and a lot of good things to do. So you're you're just coming to, to visit. Is there any other special occasion besides? No, Instagram? it's just to see all you all you goofballs. That's it. I just want to be around chosen family and have some some good laughter and good game time. That's it. Well, no, I appreciate no other reason li- needed. I appreciate your lying so well on on air. That's really <laughs> really nice. Um, I'm not, I was talking to Justin. I, I wasn't yeah, talking to go. you. That's right. The the Academy Award goes. <laughs> right. You were just watching that. Hey, uh, before we go into our stuff, we've got a, a long list here to go to. But um, since you are here, how did you feel about uh, the Academy Awards that went well, on? Or the Oscars? Or, or I don't know if those are different things. But, yeah, sure. But, so just, you could take a couple different cross-sections of that. You know, do I do I like the winners? Yes. I thought, I thought the right people more or less won uh, the things that – they deserved, whether it was in the moment or perhaps in certain cases, honoring a lifetime achievement award. I thought the ceremony itself was a little mixed. I, I thought Kimmel was kind of a weak host. He, his jokes were a little too obvious and or a little bit more mean than I would have been prepared for, given, I think, the rhetoric and everything that happened the year prior. I was expecting a little bit more of a light, funny, happy, jovial host, and I didn't quite get that. But where he fell down, I thought the acceptance speeches were remarkably poignant, uh, refreshing, funny, exciting, enthusiastic, and, you know, and, and I was contagious in terms of their positivity um, especially for everything everywhere all at once, you know, all the, the numerous awards they won. Almost every time someone came up to support that movie or represent that movie, they had something really um, worth listening to. So, so I appreciated that. That yeah, I didn't I didn't watch, but the um, but uh, Kehui Kwan's acceptance speech popped up on my TikTok and definitely brought tears to my eyes. Yeah, you, you can't very, you can't get you can't get around that this year and not see those things being played on every social media platform mm-hmm. and then the other one was when i think the picture won and he gets up there and is hugging on harrison ford mm-hmm. 
um, forward. Yeah. And then also he's backstage hugging on uh, Brandon, Brandon Fraser. Fraser. Fra- is it Fraser? Mm-hmm. It's Fraser, right? Fraser. He he. I heard this just recently. Yeah. He says it's Fraser. He says it's Fraser. When yeah. Everybody for like three decades has been saying Fraser. Yeah. He huh. he said that like on an interview. He's like, yeah, I've been living with that my whole life. People are just calling me Fraser, and I roll with it. But it's Fraser. I'm like what? What? Yeah, that's a Scottish name, I think. I don't know. It's it's a it's a therapist name from Cheers. Is what it is. <laughs> right, right. A radio, radio guy. Uh, so yeah, that's a. Uh, I, I agree. It's pretty cool. I'm obviously like Kihui Kwan was is super cool. Hopefully, he has lots of other good things. He's such a positive guy, and um, you know, coming back to Hollywood and this kind of things. Me, uh, he inspired me to watch Goonies and uh, Temple of Doom last weekend so you know good stuff and temple of doom isn't as bad as i thought it was i remember everybody bashing on it so bad but yeah, i agree with you i watched it yeah. i watched it recently and showed it to a 10 year old who was enthralled <laughs> by it who yeah. was enthralled by it um there is one or two scenes where i suggested he cover his eyes but that, i had to do that as a kid too and that i think that actually added to the mystique of the film honestly um oh, yeah. it's, it was better than i remembered i agree I, I agree with that too. I mean, if anything, it's we know we now know that Indiana Jones is just a fun adventure to have, and because of his other ones like Crystal Skull and such are so not great, uh, it makes these look much better. Um, yeah, I think I think Temple. I mean, it's been a long, long time since I saw Temple of Doom, but it probably just for years was the quote unquote worst one, right? Mm-hmm. And then they made Crystal Skull, and yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. Of our. It, uh, also, um, when you look at all three of them together, like the Temple of the Temple of Doom, kind of leads into Last Crusade, um, but sorry, not Temple of Doom, um, the the first one, Raiders of Lost Ark, leads into the Last Crusade, and this middle piece doesn't really tie together with any of them, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like this separate adventure. Well, it's because it's a prequel too, right? Remember Temple? Oh, of- is it? I didn't know. Yes. This. Yeah. It takes place before the events of Raiders of the Lost Ark, and that's why Raiders and Last Crusade are a little bit more connected for that exact reason. Oh, I did not realize that. Yeah, he's supposed to be a little bit more inexperienced and a little bit more, you know, not as grizzled yet. Less um, altruistic. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. That makes a lot of sense because they don't show him as a professor at all. And he is going out for money at the very beginning. He's like switching, yeah, right. you know, selling stuff for money. So ah, he's an actual Tomb Raider. If only they'd made a movie that was like that with a, a female lead or something. Uh, okay, so today we're going to go ahead and start with our topics that we're going to try and get through in The Last of Us. We've been kind of putting it off a little bit. We've got a, a broad spectrum of people here that uh, played it. We've got, um, obviously, Fox, who's a dad, and has uh, watched this uh, this show for the first time, right? Like, you didn't play the game, Correct. Correct. This was my, I mean, I had a very loose understanding of what the, the concept was, but I had not played the video game and uh, and didn't know exactly what was going to happen in the show. I should know that I avoided playing the video game when it came out because I thought it would emotionally wreck me. Uh, <laughs> I pretend, I, spoilers, I think I was right, but we'll, we'll get to more of that later. Yeah. But yeah, that's um, why I didn't play, I didn't play the game. And then we've got, on the other end, we've got Justin, who's not a dad, but has played the video game and... I want to comment uh, that I saw that you got a platinum on this game for 
Yeah. Uh, in, in anticipation of the series, I replayed. Well, they've released The Last of Us, The Last of Us HD, and The Last of Us Part One, which is a remake of the original Last of Us game. But the um, the most recent remake, Last of Us Part One. Uh, is available on PlayStation 5, and in anticipation of the series, I played that game, and um, I really enjoyed it. It's a it's a nice update of the original material. Um, and, looks... and and to say that to say that um, you just played it doesn't give it enough because I I will say the platinum thing again. Those things usually aren't very easy to get. There are some that are easy, but I'm sure Naughty Dog didn't just make it where you finish the game and it's done. So you you put some time into it and did all the extras. Yeah, I, I I enjoy the fact that Naughty Dog included so many side conversations, side missions. There's there's a lot of content in that game that a uh, simple playthrough you you might not experience everything. So um, going back through and and looking for all that extra content didn't feel like a chore. It wasn't difficult. I did I didn't mind looking for that extra material because it was it was really rewarding to find all of it in the end. I would I would agree with that. I, I have not done that, but I, I can see uh, Dennis and I have talked about how a lot of the relationship or the character or the story is just drawn out from them, you walking around and doing things. I remember at one point Dennis has said, oh, they just take I think this is early on in the season, said something like, um, oh, they took out where I'm just shuffling through, you know, drawers looking for ammo and bits and crafting. And, like, and, and that's true. But during that whole time in the game, you're actually having conversations with each other. And it's often exactly, context yes. sensitive and where you're at in different rooms and stuff. So they're not all cinema scenes. It's a lot of that character. Drama. So I could see, and I totally agree with you, how going through it and playing it would be very pleasurable without having to, to focus on like some games. You really got to you know, grind it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but me, I played, I played, um, I am a dad and I played it, but, but not to the extent that Justin has. And then uh, Dennis, who has not, it's kind of like Fox, but he has, uh, what's the cross section there? Not a dad. But has uh, and not and not played the game, but has watched the show. Yeah, that was that was part of my. I mean, obviously, we've had uh, both Fox and Justin on the podcast before, and I'm always on the lookout for a good a good topic, a good se- season wrap up or series wrap up, something like that, where we could get people on and and talk about a project in its entirety. And I thought after our some of our conversation but maybe more offline uh offline let's off air discord conversation about this series and the nature of the relationship between um ellie and joel and those characters i thought there's really because um sorry i'm interrupting myself with this um this first game to me and i don't know i'm sure there are details on this on some wikipedia article somewhere it felt like a lot of games were being made like triple a quote unquote cinematic video games were being made with the very um uh, maybe not very noticeable but a noticeable dad theme mm-hmm. um right like this game god of war uh i'm sure there are other examples that are not coming to me um well even to an extent some of the bioshock games yeah early ones not it's a little more abstract in that case but I was like, oh, this is a, it's either an, a, a, a recognition or an acknowledgement or just a sort of indicator of the demographic of gamers 
Mm. People who play these games, who grew up playing console games, Mm -hmm. are now, you know, in their 30s, maybe early 40s at the time, and are going to relate particularly to these sort of parent-style stories. But anyway, talking about this series, I thought there, there are different perspectives to have coming at this. And I was like, this is kind of convenient that we've got um, two people who are parents and two people who aren't and two people who've played the game and two people who haven't. And so we sort of get all quadrants of the, of the not, you know, we're obviously not completely covered, but right. um, have, have a little more, maybe a little more interesting conversation than just Michael and I can have on our own. Yeah. So, so since we're on that topic of dad stuff, let, let's go ahead and run around here. Um, I'll, I'll start with Fox. Um, it, so Sydney and I were talking about this on the way home yesterday and we, it made a point, Justin, you can correct me if I, if I'm wrong in this, we, uh, they don't, they intentionally don't call each other dad or daughter. They don't refer to each other that way. And when people, when, when people say, um, like, Oh, your dad is this or whatever. And then they'll, they'll, they'll blurt out, not my dad or right. not my daughter. And they do that even later. I, I've only played the very beginning of part two, but even then when they're older, they don't do that. Is this a dad daughter story? Um, Fox, yeah, do you, do you, is, it, is that what yes. we're telling here? Yeah, definitely. Yes. I mean, the same way, you know, there's a reason why people credit Pedro Pascal being internet daddy. This is not that dissimilar to, <laughs> Grogu and and Jinjarin on the Mandalorian. It's a very similar dynamic that I think it, it it's trying to emphasize, especially in this post-apocalyptic world, of the family now maybe a lot more about who you choose rather than who you were assigned to at birth because of the circumstances for all these people. So yes, I think for you know it doesn't I don't think their titles matter at all. What matters is the way they feel about each other, trust and love each other. And that obviously comes together a lot as the season goes on. They start off as strangers and obviously we finish the season in a much much, much different place across a lot of different variables, which I'm sure we'll get to. So the short answer is yes. I would absolutely say this is a, the relationship between a father and a daughter, even if they're not blood related. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Well, um, I so, will make the point um, at the, uh, there's a moment at the end of episode eight of the series um, after a, a pretty upsetting scene with Ellie uh, where Joel uh, embraces her and calls her baby girl. Yeah. Uh, which is yeah, the first right. time he's referred to her that way. Yeah. Um, and it's it definitely signifies him opening up to her and accepting her. Um, it's not... It does feel like he is ca- calling her his daughter in a way. It didn't I, use I, that I, exact phrase for his own daughter. I think that was the big thing. He calls yes. his own daughter baby girl in the very first episode. Yes. So I think it's a callback to that. I don't remember. I don't remember him calling her that in the game. I think that was an intentional script writing thing for the show to emphasize. That. I think you're correct. Yeah, because th- this whole episode eight, which we're going to get into in the, these little bits here, a bit, but episode eight um, was selling things for a di- was uh, deviated from the game a bit to sell some relationships, her things, a lot of stuff to make it more poignant. And I think a thing like a, a you know baby girl was to solidify their, their relationship. But moving from that, uh, what I wanted to get from Dennis, who hadn't um, played this game, what, what's this, what's this, well, first off, can we, can we talk spoilers? Am I allowed to do that, Dennis? Are we, 
Uh, yeah, let me. There is my. Because we, we're going to talk about primarily. Yeah, yeah, none of us decided that we needed to recap what this show was actually about for anybody. We didn't. You know, it's yeah, no, no. Yeah. Listening to this podcast, yeah, we, we, we've been talking we, about it for we, weeks. So, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. We, we sort of dove into the conversation here. So, uh, yes, we're talking about the. Uh, what what we're now calling prestige HBO series, The Last of Us, based on the Naughty Dog game. We are going to be talking about this first season in full detail with full spoilers. So I'm going to hit the bell here. If you've not seen this series yet, and particularly if you've not seen it and not played the game, um, you probably want to skip ahead. We might talk about something else before we run out of time, but... But you, uh, go watch it. Yeah. You do. Take take this next bit and go watch the first couple episodes. Yeah, if you if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Yeah. Uh, so okay, now that we're in a spoiler here thing, Dennis, what what do you think? Uh, what do you think this series is about? It has eight and nine, especially nine, has what's many consider an abrupt ending. As the game, I'm sure Justin will tell you, does the same similar kind of thing. So it just ends the story ish in in nine quickly. What's the whole series about? I mean, is is there a I mean, primary story here, or? Sure. Well, um, Joel and Ellie are on the cover of the poster of the box, whatever. I don't know what box means yeah. these days, but the the cover of the game, um, and it's a story about them as people. It's maybe, uh, in some ways, I want to say it's a little more about Joel. I don't know. I can't. Again, I can't speak to the game because I know. Or the majority of the game, Joel is the player character, but he's also there in the cutscenes, doing things, saying things. You're sort of, you know, there are plenty of games where you learn about the character whom you're playing, you know, through those cut things, cut scenes, through the actions that they take when you are not in control of the character. That's true for the entire Uncharted series, to to reference more Naughty Dog or Prince Persia or or um, Tomb Raider, at least the more recent games. I've never played the old ones. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's maybe a little more about him, but it's really just about the two of them. I mean, you, you made the observation or um, whatever you want to call it about the, the game that it's this sort of series of episodic stories. And that's very much how the, the series is formatted. Um, Joel and Ellie travel and they meet people and you get, bits of those people's stories um and sometimes it affects um joel and ellie in in different ways just encountering those people experiencing those stories and those experiences um and that's the core of the story it's not you know it's not really about zombies or what happened to the zombies like we don't learn a lot about fedra that's just Mm -hmm. sort of window dress it's world building for this character story that they're telling. Um, there's not even a lot of zombies in the show overall, right? Like, there's many episodes yeah, I, where you never see any. No, no. I mean, I assume that there are more in the video game because yes. all of the story and cutscenes is broken up by you running around and shooting stuff, which would be fairly boring TV if they did it mm-hmm. uh, every episode. But uh, They did it yeah. episode nine, like him going through the thing. That's exactly what they did. You go shooting up the hospital. Um, so, Justin, people talk about this as like in all the other media as this being like, oh, this is the perfect game transfer over. I myself have mentioned a lot that 
um, they have taken sets that look exactly like the video game. Uh, mm -hmm. Dialogue in the first one was like word for word, script for script. Um, now that we're completely done with it, how how and you've most recently played the game more than any of us. Did how does it stack up? Is it actually that? Is it like is my memory just fuzzy like that, or was there a whole bunch of stuff they left out? Did they did they add a lot more to the to the show? How do you feel about that that comparison between the game and the the actual show? So I feel this is the most direct and the most um, accurate adaptation of a video game that we've seen to date. Um, whether or not that makes it the best video game adaptation, I'm not sure. Um, there are dialogue, there are scenes that are lifted literally from the game and put into the TV show uh, flawlessly. Um, when you're working with such great uh, like material, when you're starting with such a great base, um, I think what the show did excellently was build upon like the foundation it already had. The Bill and Frank episode is one of my favorite episodes of the entire television series, and none of that is in the game. That's built a re just from scratch for the television audience. Um, Were I there think, things that they left out? Like, do you think that there were things um, that were in the game that they left out that would have been nice to explore? I know they only have nine episodes. There's. Um, there's a scene towards the end of the video game, um, and I guess this is a spoiler for the video game, um, outside of the spoilers from the TV series, um, but where Ellie almost dies. Um, she, she nearly drowns because a component of the video game is that Ellie can't swim, um, yeah. which isn't in the series. Um, but oh, when, I remember now. Yes, okay. Right. When... Um, when Joe and Ellie finally encounter the Fireflies, they encounter them after Ellie has drowned and Joel is trying to perform CPR on her. And um, there's, a, there's a line of dialogue um, between the Fireflies and Joel where it's like, if we, if we weren't there, you would have died. Um, kind of like setting some claim to Ellie in the end, where it's like, we saved you. Like, we we have some right to do with her what we want. Like, if we did not show up when we did, you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be making it this far anyway. Um, and it, it, the, the, that's the only major scene I can think of towards the end. Um, there's, there's so much, um, so much context that goes into those final few scenes between Joel and Ellie and, and how that ending plays out. And I, I always thought that was a nice aspect of the game that added a little bit more complexity. I don't think they should necessarily needed that though. Yeah. What, uh, so one thing I wanted to uh, comment on um, is that uh, Troy Baker, who, who did uh, the voice of Joel um, was in this last two episodes, as was the voice actress for Ellie. Mm -hmm. Um, and they, if you haven't had an opportunity to see like the motion capture of um, them acting for this game, it's like a full on play acting. Obviously they're wearing like skin tight suits and dots all over their bodies, but, <laughs> and, and they're using boxes as props, but it, they're, they're acting their asses off for a better lack of a term. Um, and they do an, they're incredible actors and it's so much so that they brought them back for the, for the show. Actually, three of them. Marlene also was the voice actor. Marlene played herself, um, the Firefly, head of the Fireflies. Um, so the voice actress was also the actress. In 
the voice of Joel, he was in episode eight. He was like the right hand man to the cannibalist camp. <laughs> you know, I'm talking about uh, Fox and Dennis. He takes he takes a machete to the neck. Oh yeah, no, no, I, I, I'm way deep. Even though, so I love this so much. I already went way deep on all this stuff. Yeah. Oh, you went to a final, right? Yeah, and and the other one is obviously the Ellie's mom is is the voice actress for Ellie, um, who looks mm-hmm. who looks a lot like the game Ellie, um, and they, sounds like her too. Oh my gosh, it was so like when she's talking, it was just like the weirdest thing seeing you, this. I heard yeah, Ellie anyway. when when her yeah. mother is talking. It's like oh, I don't, I can't hear anyone other than the video game Ellie character coming out of her. A hundred percent. I don't know if worlds colliding. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I clocked that, but in that episode that, um, voice actress looks a lot like, um, uh, Bella Ramsey. Yeah. That I, 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 for a moment was, well, a little confused because the scene does come out of nowhere. It's a flashback. But I wondered if maybe I was watching a flash forward. Mm. No, it's hard to know. Sure, yeah. Seeing seeing adult Ellie at some time in the future. I, I was thinking that they were going to have her play adult Ellie in 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 part two. But I the way I think Fox told me that she or was it you, Dennis, that she signed on. Bella yeah, she's doing. Time. She's playing the adult version. Yeah, which is fine. I you know that. News, yeah. Um. Okay. So another thing m- moving forward on this one. Um. I'm going to go with Fox on this because you haven't played the game. How'd you feel about that ending? That's a great question. It's probably the, probably the one element of the show that, that I was I, I, I frustrated, but in that kind of good way where it got to the end. And I think like a lot of people who had never played the game just yelled, what? You know, like, because, because it cuts yeah. to black. And, and I will say it's divisive with game players too. I'm sure it is. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's probably, it's, it's funny. Like it, I, th- I actually thought exactly that when I finished, I was like, well, yeah, that was bad for me, but I know there's a second game and I know there's a second season coming. So, you know, if, you, if I was playing the video game, I would have none of that knowledge. I could probably, it would probably be even more infuriating. Um, in terms of the actual ending, I thought it was incredibly powerful. You know, that, that last cut, the way that, Ellie delivers the line, okay, um, you know, what we're referencing here is, you know, that moment where Joel lies to her, you know, he's mm-hmm. getting closer to her and, and developing this real familial bond. We already talked about that father-daughter relationship. And then, you know, she asks him to swear to something and he just looks her straight dead on and lies to her face. And, you know, because the greatness of the way Bella Ramsey delivers literally two syllables, she says, okay, she conveyed that I know you're lying and for, and and we're gonna move past it or and 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 something else. But I right. knew immediately that she did not believe him um, and felt that she has lied to. And there was so much gravity with that one word, I couldn't help be enamored with it. I I wanted mm-hmm. more though, like I think most people. Of course. Of I'll, course. I'll, I'll, I'll stop there. Well the the so the the game ends. Um so this this game, and Justin could probably attribute to this, I, I hope, is that when you play the game, it's a great game. And you can just say that. People just say, oh, it's a great game, great, great story. What's it about? Well, things, right? And and most people's responses, I would guess, is that would say it's a game about Joel and Ellie and their relationship and then what they do when they're traveling and things like that. It's not necessarily about finding a cure or saving this world. Or that's not, I mean, that's kind of the small frame that they put this in, but it's none of that. It's really just about these things. And they, 
reached a point in their relationship in the game and in the show where they achieved what they wanted to be at, right? And then, so that's the end. That's the actual end of that story. And yeah, he lied to her and there's that, there's more. Um, But when I finished the game, I had that same feeling of like, oh man, they just ended it. I wanted them to save the world or I didn't, that's not, it didn't go down the way I thought it would go down. And then it ended what I felt like abruptly. They went there, he fought through the hospital, took her off, you know, and lied to her about thing. They went back to Tommy's. Um, so it was like, that's, that's the end. That's all it. And then I say a year later, I retro retroactively looking back at it. I realized that if they would have given me some big ending, then that would have been the point of the story. I look back at the last of us now and I see it as the story of two people and the world that they live in and all of the, the last of us that live in that world. Um, and I was worried that they would try to change that for this show, and they did not. Um, I was interest, really interested the whole season to see what Dennis thought about it and what Fox thought about it, people who hadn't played the game, and how they were going to react to not having a big ending. Um, and, and remember, even though, Fox, you said that there's a, a number two, they did not make this game with the idea of a number two. It's this was just the oh end. yeah no I'm sure end that was the intended ending when they did I mean that's my point too it's like that was yeah. the, that there was a time where that was the end and I can't even imagine what that would feel like but that shows my level of investment right that shows that it was so powerful that I care that much you know that I need to know how the story continues mm-hmm. yeah and I, I need to know how the second ones and I and I'm ready to play the the second game uh, Justin have you played the second game I have don't don't give us any spoilers but were you happy with the overall story of it um (laughs) that big sigh there it's um i like the first game more i'll say that much okay i i know there i you know you can't avoid pictures or screen captures um i don't see a lot of joel in it i see some ellie i know joel's in it but I don't know the, the what happens or what people do or what they say. And then I see a lot of other characters um, that are supposedly big characters. So all I know is that it feels like the second game is a whole completely different animal that they're trying to go after. And I don't know what that is, um, but I'm, you know, I'm in for it myself. Uh, okay. Let's focus real quick. Uh, Cause we're really burning through time here um, on these last two episodes. Um, what do we think about the cannibal? Thing. I mean, you almost can't have a post-apocalyptic show without cannibals. Um, I will start by saying Bella Ramsey is crazy good actress. Right, Dennis? I mean, I know you said that forever, but holy moly. When she yeah, is I going mean, insane in that scene where she's murdering that guy, woof. Yeah, I mean, I mean, her her winning performance for me is still the, the Riley Mall flashback episode. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. incredible. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, every every bit of her lines or non lines in that episode are ridiculously good. Um, Yeah. But uh, and then and then this last one, I can't ask Justin because he's seen it like four times. Oh, we'll go back to Fox here. Fox, that last episode, you get Joel. You find the fireflies. You're right there. And it was quick and over with. Um, Do you think they should have stretched that last episode out to two episodes because it felt like it went real quick yeah it did go real quick and i was i was a little surprised at how fast we moved through the the end of that 
Um, and I could have, I could have taken a little bit more time and, and let that whole back and forth breathe a little bit. I will say that was my initial reaction. And I think it was the reaction of many people. And I think just because you're enjoying the performances so much, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people would tolerate a longer episode or a, a, a two-parter or what it is. However, so what- you know, something you said, kind of, I was it's sort of mulling over. I mean, I think there's also something about the rush of it that sort of, signifies what's happening in that world and making these fast decisions. It almost mimics sort of the environment those characters live in better, you know, than, than what I should expect from, as a viewer, because I realized that there was nothing left to do really. You know, I was like, well, what would you have filled that time with? And I had this realization that one of my favorite things that the last episode did was make you realize that the, how a little bit fanatic the fireflies were which mm-hmm. I thought they were going to come off as being this, oh, they're the good guys and Ferda, whatever, is the, is, are the villains. Um, and I was, re- it was refreshing for me to see, like, well, it's a lot more complex than that. And a lot of what the show does is show you that the world is kind of just fine. Like, the, you know, the, the um, episode three, as we referred to earlier, like Bill and Frank, it shows you that people can figure out a, a decent, happy, loving life, which makes the fanaticism of the Fireflies more fascinating and complex. Um, so I, I ran it all over there, but that, that was sort of my thing. Yeah, the, the, un, unlike things like The Walking Dead, where there's massive hordes and swarms of zombies everywhere you go, uh, this world seems to have them just kind of randomly around, uh, you know, um, unlike I'm sure the game. Well, I don't know. I remember the game being where you were walking through places and they kind of jump scare you occasionally. Um, but uh, yeah, so one episode um, that's different too, Justin, this is for you, was the the Kansas City episode. Mm-hmm. And they you spend a lot more time with the villains. Right. Um, how do you feel about... I feel that they've explored the villains a lot more in the, in the show than they ever did in, I would say villains, but they gave them not just guys who are running and shooting at you. Um, did, how did you feel? And we're not going to say the bill episode cause we all universally love that one, but for the rest of the thing, rest of the show, episode eight, they explored the cannibalists more. And I think episode four or five, they explored the Kansas city people more. How do you feel about, did that fit within the game and the story or were they extra? Did they not need that stuff? So How do you feel about that? I really liked what they did with Kansas city. Um, all of those uh, additional characters they added. Um, I'm not going to remember the characters names. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Um, the, the leader of the Kansas city um, group uh, it's not in the game at all, and neither is her second-hand yes. man um, who played um, Tommy in the video games. Another yep. another nice uh, actor shared between the video games and the series. Um, I really liked what they did with that community. Um, it, it really it really gave a little bit more depth to what Sam and Henry were dealing with. Um, it really it really gave them a little bit more to do with that episode. That surprises um, me. I didn't know she wasn't in the game. If you made me guess, I would have said she was absolutely in the game. So that, again, that sort of speaks to the earlier thing about the integration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, um, they're just basically, you know, bad people living in the world that you're going through the city where you meet Sam and, and Henry. Right. Um, and they're the focus. Um, obviously that is a heartbreaker thing. I, I said it when we reviewed that episode is that Sydney 
twice through the the, sh- the episode was like, okay, we can turn it off now. Okay, we can turn it off now because she knew what happens. I I put that episode on maybe two or three times before I made it all the way through. I I kept turning that episode off, knowing where it was going. Yeah, it's that's that's a real rough one, and for for my money. That's one that shouldn't be forgotten in, in, a, in a show full of unbelievable performances and stories and stuff. Um, it, it's hard. It's easy to lose what happened to Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, but because it's very short, like what that happens is very quickly, you know, and it he turns and then it goes and then he kills himself. Henry does. And it's over. And it's just it's so shocking and alarming. Um, and then you move on. But I think for me, that was a very, very hard, even in the game, I put, I remember putting the controller down and having to step away from it. I think I even went back and told somebody at the time, I was like, man, I just played this video game and I had feelings. That's, <laughs> you know, that's, that's weird, right? Uh, or not weird. It's just, that some, means something special is happening here. Um, so w- we've kind of gone through a lot of these things here, but I, I, uh, I was nervous that they were bringing this to the, to the film, not nervous. I just, you know, it would, I didn't want another street fighter type thing or mortal Kombat, or most recently another uncharted, um, Mm. where they just didn't get that. So I am, I'm as a game player, I was, I'm still at it when it's over overwhelmed with how well it was done, how well HBO allowed this to, to happen. Uh, because we're seeing a lot of things like House of Dragon and Willow and Rings of Power that are taking source material and then taking liberties, right? Mm-hmm. And this just took very little liberties. And when they did, it was the in- original writer who made those, took those liberties and changed it and added to it. Um, and I don't know why this is such a difficult formula for people to um, to follow. Fox, would you have any comment on that? Like, why, why is it that video games have been so mistrusted and now we have this? I think there's a, a, probably a few different culprits here. And I think I want to go back and say, you know, we finished at the beginning. The Last of Us did have at least a, a small, if not, no, I'm kidding, a huge advantage. They already had a fabulous screenplay to work from. They built upon that with the actual writer of the video game, Neil Bruckman. He you know, the person who was responsible for creating most of the world of the video game was also co-writing the show all the way through. And so obviously that level of collaboration with the, the creator is always going to give you a better, better output. So that's probably the number one reason why this is better. Those linkages just don't occur um, between, you know, the original source material and heads of studio. Historically, we're talking decades ago. And so, you know, yeah. it's, 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 I mean, this has always been... The thing they just they they think oh that person wrote for a video game they don't know how to write for a movie you know though yeah. what do they know all they did was do the character modeling they don't understand anything about the performers we need to get to bring people into the theater and so just it was just such misalignment back in the day between the two mediums you know I do think we're gonna think of this year as being a pretty darn good year for adaptations of games into media because you have this. Then you're going to have Dungeons and Dragons, which I, I mm. could speak to. I've seen it. It's excellent. And I do believe it's a fabulous adaptation. And you're also going to get a Super Mario Brothers movie that I think is going to warm a whole lot of hearts. And again, mm-hmm. what do yeah. those three properties all have in common? The creators were well, well involved in the creative process when putting it to screen. 
Yeah, we, we even had a, a Sonic that we liked. Even Dennis yeah. and I both liked Sonic. Right, exactly. Uh, but but they did have um, Uncharted. So I, I want to make sure that we remember <laughs> Uncharted with pirate ships hanging from helicopters and dueling in the air. So um, we, we have examples of where they, they gave the trust to the original people and they didn't. Because I, I would also posit that Uncharted also has a fantastic story. Um, not quite... Last of Us level, but it's still a great story. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't think I, I did play several Uncharted games, but I saw web comics and and memes go around, even though I never played The Last of Us, and I always got that impression that there was something really emotionally moving in some way or another um, about this game, and that's part of what. I don't want to say surprised me, but but just I did not expect from the the final episode. I think after I got done watching it, I went in our in our discussion channel on Discord for for this. I said I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. It yeah. wasn't what I saw. Yeah. Um, I, I would encourage everyone to go that watched like you and Fox to go back and play the game. I know that's not an easy thing to say to do, but <laughs> it, it it is. If you love the show, it's only yeah. a good way to, to, to do even more, right? To, to have more time with these characters mm-hmm. walking around a room, listening to Ellie talk, and she has a foul mouth like a sailor and continuing <laughs> to, to say things. And I, you'll appreciate so many it. other little things. You're yeah. the third person to recommend that to me, so I think, I think you're on to something. Um, the, a lot of things, um, again, Justin, I think you support me in some of these things, is that like there's a scene where he, she goes and he sees a ladder to get up on top and he's like, I'll give you a boost. That stuff happens all the time. He gives her boosts. She says some comment, goes up top, lowers the ladder down. I'm like, that's a straight video game thing. Absolutely. But the way it was shot, it wasn't like that in the show. It just felt natural. Type thing. It sure does, does in the game too. Um, so, okay. Uh, we'll round up this topic here with some, some overall thoughts. Um, we'll start with Dennis. What was your, f- don't, don't give me a favorite episode. What's your favorite scene in the whole show? And then who, I'm, I'm guessing for you, it's Bella, but who was your, your favorite character? Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's Bella. I don't know if I, if I talk, yeah, I, we talked about this at length a couple weeks ago after the episode. Um, And I'm trying to, I'm, I'm sort of casting my mind back, trying to remember um, any other moments. Because for me, even though I didn't play this game, I've played enough single-player RPGs that I could spot something that looked like a video game cutscene. It happened less as the show went on. Like in the pilot, uh, the pilot, in the first episode, um, there's a sequence where they're driving around in the truck, right, in the in sort of prologue mm-hmm. and they drive a little ways and then there's a horde in front of them. So they back up and then there's some stuff behind them and you're seeing it all from, I think the his daughter's perspective in the back seat. And I'm like this, like, I feel like I'm in a video game cutscene right now. This is exactly yeah. what it feels like, like stuff's happening around you and you're in the action, but you, you can't control it. And then the thing with the ladder, I was like, but you know, that was one of the later, almost to the end episodes. And I was like, yeah, that's a little bit of, of video game. Um, 
stuff in there. So I, I remember those moments. Um, and of course, uh, phenomenal Nick Offerman performance in that, in that third episode. Um, the, the favorite moment for me, I, I can't think of anything better than, than the Riley mall flashback episode after, um, again, it's more spoilers, but we're in spoilers here. Um, after they kiss and she apologizes and Riley says, um, something like for what, and you see this full range of just clear, unmistakable emotion on Bella Ramsey's face in, in just a moment, just in the way her expression changes, communicates so much with, with nothing but that, with nothing but her expression on her face. Um, it, it warmed my heart when I watched it and it's phenomenal acting. Um, I didn't, nothing stood out to me more than that in the, in the run of this season. Lady, Lady Mormont can really get it. Can't she? She really knows her, knows her stuff. (laughs) Uh, okay. So Justin, we're going to take that same thing to you. Uh, for the show, not necessarily the game here, the show, what can you pick a favorite like scene or moment that you really liked and a character that, that would be, your favorite, and you, and we can go ahead and like let's go ahead and just discount Joel and Ellie for this one. I mean, you can speak to Bella, but uh, besides them, who who would you say? That's perfectly what, what that's perfectly fine to discount them because they weren't they were not my. No, I I love their performances. Don't get me of wrong. Of course, here's what I will say: coming from the game to the series, my favorite moments um, were the the content that was original to the series. You know, mm-hmm. there were there were scenes when I was watching it um, where it, and I, I've described this to other people. Watching the series at times felt like I was rewatching it um, yeah. because yeah. of how yeah. similar it is to the video game. So when you had those when you had those scenes and those moments that were wholly original to the series, um, those were by far my favorite moments. Um, going into episode three, knowing what Bill's town was supposed to look like. Uh, and not and getting in an, an entirely unexpected experience that was that was a a delightful and surprising uh, moment for me where it was just wow this is something really really special that I did not see coming um, yeah. that final scene between Bill and Frank I mean I I cried hard and ugly I did not know that was coming I did not I put on Last of Us thinking like all right this is this show has been fine so far. I kind of know where this is going. Uh, let's 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 see this through. I I was so overwhelmed by what they did with that episode. Um, not emotionally prepared for that, but uh, that yeah. that was beautiful what they did with those two characters. Um, so if, if I was going to say favorite scene, I would say uh, the final dinner with Bill and Frank was beautiful. Um, favorite character, I'm going to say again something that was added to the series. Um, Sam. The character Sam is not deaf in the video game. Yes, correct. Um, does not have the same uh, connection with Ellie. Um, that scene of them in the bunker sort of bonding together, playing soccer together, that's not really as uh, drawn out in the video game. Um, if I was going to pick a favorite character from the series, it would be Sam because not only just the representation of a young black deaf character, but to see how that character 
influenced Ellie and, and to see how they were able to, to build more with that character and that relationship. Um, just astonishing what they were able to do with him. I wholeheartedly agree. And I'm actually a little bothered at you because I think those were the two I was going to pick. <laughs> now, now, now I have to, to re- rethink things. Um, Fox, here, here, here we go. This is a great show that's getting rave everything. And we've been raving about it for the last bit. And every single episode has amazing things. Pick a couple, a person and a, and a place. Yeah, I'll get to that real quick. I, I want to shout out one thing about the, the show in general. We touched upon sure. it. Like, it's, it's probably one of the best written shows I've ever encountered. And I, I, I have a small, very, very minuscule background in reading. And Wait, better than Firefly? <laughs> da- yes. <laughs> dabbling, dabbling in, you know, screenwriting. And so I've studied screenwriting and script writing and all these things. And I can tell you unequivocally, this is some of the best written material I've ever encountered. So even if you just want to like a master class on how to develop characters, go watch this show. And so to that point, you know, the thing I love, and we'll get to character right away, is I did love all the villains because I could tell you very easily what they wanted and why, and their motivations were exceptional. So like, I was really drawn to a lot of them. We've talked a lot about them on the show already. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to focus on those. So I'm going to kind of align myself with Dennis here because we're starting to run out of excellent characters. Um, (laughs) And so I'm going to pick Riley because that episode for me gave me so much depth to who Ellie was and why she was, because I obviously I figured out pretty quickly that this, this woman, you know, this young woman was a love interest and I'm not going to see her again. I, you know, I kind of pieced mm-hmm. together pretty quickly what was going to happen, but then it didn't matter because, because the love of this date was so pure and wonderful you know, this friendship budding into more kind of love, um, you know, and they're just, I, I watched it twice and I loved it even more the second time when you, you know, you pick up on all these little subtle looks or hands, you know, at the corner of each other's eyes or, you know, oh, I wonder, I was just imagining what you would look like in that lingerie in the window, like just all these beautiful moments, how Riley um, pulls stuff out of Ellie and vice versa. And that was the best part. Like I was like, I totally get why these two people, each other they like compliment each other across a few lines they test each other across a few others and it just the chemistry and wonderfulness of that was so heartwarming and i give a lot you know of course bella ramsey was awesome but also riley was just phenomenal all right wholeheartedly agree it, uh, would would that be Riley? You be your favorite character in the, in the series, or the most well, no, stand I mean, out beyond beyond the main? I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, just it was just I think a, a character to call out maybe at this point because we yeah, said so sure. much for the other things. I'll give a quick quick moment that I loved. I, I reference a lot, and I don't hear as many people talking about it, but it's the scene where um, Joel and Ellie get ambushed by Sam and Henry. Like, but just their moments like in the sleeping bags first, like where Joel first cracks up at the scarecrow pun, like he finally breaks down and starts laughing in front of her. That, that entire sequence really warmed my heart. Cause I could see, you know, the ice melting off and in how that was going to develop. But then also the next morning when, when, when Joel is at gunpoint and I can't recite everything very, very, uh, word for word, given the family friendly of the show. But basically, Joel is just clearly antagonizing the two of them. Like, I could get up and murder you, no problem, if this keeps going. You know, and, and Ellie keeps trying to de-escalate the situation. Finally, like, you know, I guess it's, I guess it's like, you know, are you, 
you know, are we good? And like, you know, Joel's like, oh yeah, real good. You know, it's something like super sarcastic. <laughs> yeah. And the response is like, it's a weird bleeping tone, man. Like it's very obvious what's going on. And I just, right. I, that, really, that really endeared me to the character. Right. I, I, I want to, in, in my time here to say this, uh, uh, wrapping up this show here, I, I, I think we have to appreciate Pedro Pascal and, and Joel. I think, um, in light of all these incredible performances and script and directing and everything that's in there, we can also lose what has happened with this character. That's very and wholly unique because he's a violent man who is good. You think he's good, but he has no problem with murder being a part of his world. Um, it is a tool in his box and we see it in episode eight where he just murders people. You know, he, he has a, a reason to find Ellie. And then the, there's a scene when Pedro, he grabs the pipe and the guy says, I'm not going to tell you anything. He goes, all right, it's okay. I believe him. <laughs> and then violently strikes. And you're, and it's that just, was, that was, that made me gasp the first time I saw that. I, I honestly, there was nobody around. I went, like, I, totally do one of those. I know. And, and he, this, that's the, that's, that's a very different character than we see in a lot of things. And that's, played through acting and the way he performed, he performed panic attacks because Joel is so deep. Joel is such a deep character. And I think Pedro really did a wonderful job at showing us that from the very beginning to the very end. Um, so while he's, he's not my favorite character in here, I just kind of really wanted to point him out that it's easy to lose such a great performance in all when he's surrounded by such other great performance performers, uh, especially Bella Ramsey. Um, I, I can't stray away from, uh, what uh justin said like i did i the house was quiet after episode three because sydney and i had tears coming down our our eyes that dinner was devastating and i can't not think about that as an emotional touch point for me when watching these two people who absolutely adore each other and the way it was written and the way it was performed uh i'm thinking specifically when nick offerman uh bill says you know, something like, or Frank asks him that yours had the medicine in it too, didn't he? He's like, oh yeah, like enough to kill the horses. And, in the like, and, and you sort of, I thought of that when, when Justin was describing it, it's a little bit of a, of a mirror to, because that episode, the Bill Frank third episode and the, the mall, which I want to say was episode six hmm. or seven, seven. Um, seven. are, are both these kind of like, if you don't know if you're emotionally dead inside <laughs> are like, wh what are, what are we doing this? Why are we in a flashback? Uh, you know, I want to see what happens with Joel and Ellie and these zombies when in a lot of ways, those are two of the best, most memorable episodes, at least for me. Um, the, the romantic relationship between Ellie and Riley, you see sort of, and, and again, Michael and I talked about this at length a couple weeks ago. Um, you see, so you know, I don't know. As a as an older person, sometimes you know, content about young people, about teenagers, is a little insufferable to watch. But everything about the the like nervous, anxious timidity of the two characters, and of course, we only know Ellie at this point, but it all was just so genuine and mm -hmm. so if if not relatable at least completely sympathetic to like 
okay, I can tell right away she has these feelings like her, and I'm not sure about Riley, but you know, when it's all set up and she comes back, like there's this banter like friends, but the, for lack of a better word, sexual tension is, is so apparent, but so like repressed, Mm -hmm. you know, for, for X, Y, Z, you know, for, for reasons, as we say. Um, and so, you know, you have this thing that, that we see, but we have to wait to come out in the actual, um, in the actual script, in the actual interaction between characters. Um, the final interaction with Bill and Frank was kind of the same way where they have this dinner. And even though, you know, um, Nick Offerman in general, and, and particularly with this Bill character is a pretty, uh, I don't want to say subdued or subtle because neither of those seem like appropriate adjectives for, for Nick Offerman performances, but, um, you know, what do we say? Like emotionally distant or something like that. Restrained almost. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Restrained. Um, that dinner, he brings out the wine and it's, and it's so, I don't even know what to, what word to use. It's almost mechanical, um, where he has the bottle and he pours it and whatever is on his, whatever expression is on his face is a little unreadable. And I think, you know, not that this is anything brilliant about me being foreshadowing or anything like that, but I was like, uh, this seems to me like <laughs> maybe this is going to turn into a double suicide yeah. or whatever. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then when the reveal comes, you're like, okay, yep, yep, that's what I, well, I was afraid of. Well, and, and um, I actually, my, I think I felt with that right there, Dennis, was that I don't think it, I felt afraid at that point. I actually, that was what was heartbreaking for me. I think that's what, what, what made me tear up was that I wanted that. I didn't want that to happen, but I didn't want it to happen. And then when Bill says immediately he shoots back and, and lovingly, like, don't be upset with me. I've lived a wonderful life and you're everything. Yeah. And you know, that, that whole, like, I'm doing this because of this. I want this to happen was like, that's what I, I wanted it to be. I didn't want them to, neither of them to die. And my heart, oh, my yeah. heart broke and, when Frank told him he wanted it to be his last day. And then you see Bill, like his whole body dies almost then. And and then yeah, the way this yeah, ends I mean, up, I'm like, it, Oh, this is beautiful. It's why, it's why they start that relationship story so far back, right? Yeah. You have to see in this, less than an hour of screen time, the the complete um, um, transformation of that character from like what we in today in a normal non-zombie world would call a fanatic prepper um, right. to, you know, th- that man at the, at the end of that scene. And so when I say like, that's what I was afraid of, it's not, you know, afraid where it would, but would like, like, oh, I see this and I understand it and it it breaks my heart a little bit. It's it's like a it's like a somewhat more genuine, more effective version of um some of those last scenes in uh Spider Man um No Way Home. No home, yeah. Is it No Way Home? Yeah. Or yeah. one of the it's home a, things, yeah. It's amazing how 
the writers there, you, we fell in love with two characters, and I can tell you a lot about their lives, their interests, their fears, their strengths, their weaknesses in like 60 minutes. Like, right. it's, so proving it can be done with really exceptional writing, like you can, yeah, it's, and, a, it's and amazing. An hour minus, right. An, an hour minus the stuff with Joel and Ellie right. at either end of that episode but think about like all it's funny that you think about these other movies that desperately want you to like connect to their characters over two hours and you just don't because the performances were so bad it was probably sandra bullock um (laughs) yeah i uh as for 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 my final thing with with uh character i i want to say sam too because simply because sam was um like that uh, he can't speak the kid can't hear in real life and he was still conveying a lot of stuff uh, but then I, I think of Riley because the actress was just so, I mean, when I say good, I mean that I was unsure of how she felt, but except for like this friendship thing. And then it slowly morphs into something, but it, it was always there. Um, and she is like Ellie's hero. It feels like Ellie's the hero in the story. It feels like, but then this girl comes along and she feels like she's the one really in charge when that happens, the, you know, in that group and of that relationship and that was because of the acting in that character. So um, those two were just so great to me. Um, and, and I do have to take uh, Nick Offerman's performance out of the equation. I have to take um, Bella Ramsey's and, and Peter. Because those are just astronomical types. They're all going to If they don't well, all and, win Emmys, I'm going I'm to lose <laughs> my mind. I'm gonna lose, if this doesn't win Best Directing, Production Design, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've got a third season of Ted Lasso coming up, so Oh yeah. I'm the other the other thing I wanted to note on that on that um Ellie Riley episode is you also in retrospect start getting a little bit of of hints that the um uh, what what word do I want to use here? The the dichotomy between Fedra and the Fireflies is not as straightforward as you've maybe thought. Yeah, this. which but I love. I mean, we get that a lot, like, mm. right? Like, it's not is, the empire versus the rebels. People, right. Are they, are they rebel freedom fighters or are they terrorists? Well, it depends on who you're talking to. If you're talking to a, um, a grand moth, right? They're mm-hmm. terrorists. Right. I was like, I was like, what's the word? It's not SS. What's the star Wars <laughs> term for these Nazis? Um, <laughs> right. And if you're talking, of course, to the rebels and they're they're freedom fighters, they're rebels, whatever. And so, of course, you get that a lot. But here we have two normal boots on the ground people who are on other sides of this. And it's still pretty clear that, you know, Fedra are not the good guys. But Ellie is in this situation, right, where she's she's starting to be a little bit seduced by, you know, the the comfort, the, the privilege that comes along with that position. And then it's very suspicious of the fireflies, which plays out in the finale. Mm-hmm. Um, and you almost don't notice it because the episode is so focused on their romantic relationship or yeah. their friendship. Mm-hmm. Or what, what an ending line when he said, she says, just let me go. And he says, you'll just keep coming after her or you'll, uh. just, you'll just look for her. And then it's like, bam, like, yeah, that's right. Just um, so, her. Yeah. right just execute her because that's what that's joel um so yeah lo- love this um justin i'm gonna start playing the, the 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 part two soon so uh wouldn't be surprised if i was you to get some messages from me saying like 
oh my god this or oh my gosh this yeah i i took some time off after finishing the first one but i definitely will be going back to play part two before uh the next season yeah i i remember putting it in and playing it on on playstation 5 and seeing the opening scenes because like i said just played the kind of the opening tutorial area and it's just beautiful the world is back what i remember it to be which you guys now saw on the, on the show mm-hmm. um and i'm like oh yeah this this is the world you're in you're in a real community it's not like zombie shows where everything's all murdery you know you start basically in tommy's area where tommy's at mm-hmm. um so yeah i'm uh I'm looking forward to playing that again. And we're not going to see, unfortunately, fellas, we're not going to see this until about 2024, 2025, they mm-hmm. say. Um, you know, I heard that today. It broke my heart. Yeah, they, they're, they're not, they've not started shooting. Um, they won't start shooting probably more likely till the beginning of next year at earliest. Um, and then post-production and such, that's going to put us at 20, end of 2024, early 2025, which is a long time. It's two years after the first one debuted. Um, so we'll, we'll see how this goes, but, but that's okay because I think this was one story. That's what we saw here. That's just like mm-hmm. the game was when we had the game, we didn't many, many years passed before we even knew we were going to have a second one because that's what, that's not what they had planned. And then they, they came up for a reason to have a second story and to have a, a new thing. And then they made it. So Two years is going to be okay. It's not like Battlestar Galactica where they put us on a cliffhanger and we don't know if they're going to make it home or not. And then we wait two years. Um, <laughs> so so it'll be okay. Um, we can always go back and watch this one. I'm a, a chronic repeater, so you can always go back and when you forget how good it was, probably next year at the at the awards ceremonies and rewatch this series again. It's only nine episodes. It's really good. So if you, we're out of spoilers here back from... Uh, um, if you left us here, go watch that show again. We, Dennis and I both said that before. Uh, go do it. Uh, we only got a little bit of time here left, so I'm going to kind of crack through one thing real fast. Um, I don't want to go into detail, but let's talk about The Mandalorian a little bit. Justin, I, I know Fox is interested in this one, but Justin, did you, I can't remember, did you watch Rebels? Yes, I was a huge fan of Rebels. Um, I thought, okay, that's what I thought. I was wasn't sure if it was you or Chris or somebody who was also a big fan of that. Fox was, yeah, right, Fox? You are, right? Yep. Mm-hmm, yep. All right, so both of you guys, you can talk to each other. How do you feel Bo-Katan is being per- portrayed in the show versus Rebels? Hmm, I miss I Rebels. That. I miss yeah, Rebels. Yeah. Are, are, they, are they that different, and why? What's, what's the differences between I don't, them? I, they're different. I, I mean, but... It, it, I mean, it's strangely, it seems like the human version is just a little whinier for some reason. Um, <laughs> Aren't they the same actress, voice actress? They right? are. It's the same. Yeah, Katie Sackhoff voiced the the animated version is now is now the, the actress portraying the, the live action. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's not a huge difference. Like her arc isn't isn't that dissimilar to what it was before. I mean, what she what she was doing in Rebels was a lot of you know talking about House Cree and the Cree Strider and you know, her role in that and trying to unite the clans and things like that. I don't think she's, it's funny. I don't think that she's very different, but Mandalore, the, the actual planet is. Very yeah. The, the conflict between her and Jen, um, within on, on rebels, um, her character is really trying to unite all of Mandalore, right? She, she's very much this leader character. Um, 
you kind of root for her because she's allied with the the other rebels. Sabine Wren is like a very strong connection with her. Like she is a hero on Rebels. On the Mandalorian, she's more she's not necessarily an adversary, but she's definitely an adversarial force where she's not quite aligned with our other heroes. She's not aligned with the characters that we've been following for these past two seasons. She's sort of like this outlier. I have a hard time rooting for her, connecting to her, because it kind of feels like her objectives are... are uh, she has a different objective than what the rest of our characters are sort of trying to get. Agreed. I couldn't agree more. Yep. What... what um... So Dennis pointed out to me... Sorry, Dennis, I'm talking for you here. Uh, you pointed out to me, like, the title of the show is is Convert, right? And and there, it's got a double meaning, because we have that, that large episode with the Doctor in the middle there. Um, but from some external interviews I've read in this last week and uh, with people and then just watching the show and talking about it, it feels they're leading Bo into this being a Mandalorian convert to the coven that he's in. How do you guys feel about that? Knowing you know of who she was before, do you think she fits? And this is a, a redemption arc where she goes and becomes this, member of this cult family that he's a part of or do you like i don't i personally don't understand why he still wants to be part of that coven but um do you think Bo is going to do that she she's going to never take her helmet off now and become part of this ancient way of mandalorians do you guys feel that way hmm. very quiet there yeah i don't i don't know i don't know i don't I know mean, if i would be satisfied with that storyline you would be you would be okay i don't know i don't i don't know if i would i sort of liked that her character was was different yeah that's i think that's part of the appeal is that there i mean if she she i like this idea of she's going to try to unite different components of the mandalores across the galaxy she has mm-hmm. to kind of break the break or bend the rules a little bit i don't know yeah it, it that seems like an odd place to take that character from my perspective my expectation going into this season was that Jin was going to sort of be the um, the new example of a, a new way to be Mandalorian. That like breaking the creed was going to encourage others to follow his lead, and that he was somehow going to become like I, I think my theory would be that the the new leader of Mandalore will end up being Din Djarin. It won't be Bo-Katan. Uh, really? But I don't, I'm not sure. I, I thought it was going to be that he was going to start his own creed and that's how he was going to sort of rise to power. Uh, sort of yeah. like say, setting this new way of, of, of training and becoming a Mandalorian. Um, so I'm surprised that he was so quick to rejoin his old group. I don't, I'm not sure. He is very, um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for here, Dennis? Like brainwashed or? Um... Loyal? Loyal. Loyal. Um, Loyal would be a would be a positive word. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, I've not seen uh, Rebels or the other. I saw a handful of episodes of um, the other animated uh, Clone Wars. Um, so my not even really theory, but just observation on on Bo-Katan's reaction at the end of that episode was really just speculative, based on the title of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, as you said, the majority of the episode is about those uh, former Empire uh, Imperial characters. And so I don't think, you know, just from 
the character that I've seen Bo-Katan in this series, which is all that I know of her, mm-hmm. um, you know, she, she's very antagonistic toward uh, Din's group, his, his right. cult coven, whatever, whatever you want to, whatever word you want to use for that. And so I don't see cult. her joining, um, but it, she does seem, you know, as much as, emo, as much emotion as can be uh, expressed through those helmets. Um, she does seem affected by that experience and what we've seen of her, at least in this season, she's just alone in a throne room in a castle by herself. She's waiting for Dan and to come so, back is what she's doing. She's hanging out there on the throne. Right, right. She's she's waiting for the director to yell action. Right. Um, <laughs> exactly. And so I don't I don't I don't see her joining his group, but I do see this experience of spending a little time in their um oh there's a word for that. Their their little cell that they're hiding out in um cult <laughs> no they're like he he has a special word for their their like hidden hidden group coven um, their coven the coven is yeah. is that a subset of the of the way as a whole i yeah i think it's their their group it's their little cave people is his is their coven he calls them that doesn't is it it's it's not covert whatever it's Col- not covert um, no. covert coven doesn't seem right because they're not witches well they're so. still cultists so it's all fine <laughs> right <laughs> of course this what i mean is this little particular group not the not the um sub-religion or whatever sect itself um but her experience with this pseudo family might might prove to be a catalyst that brings her to doing something whatever and part of that i'm forming just from hearing you all talk about her character in rebels like maybe that drives her to um or or not drives her but but is a inciting incident to uh inspire her to take more action to unite the clans and that kind of thing where before that, her character seems very like Denethor in Lord of the Rings, like just just woe is me, filled with despair. Mandalore is poisoned, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Like seeming pretty hopeless. Um, I don't know. That's my yeah. Uh, we that's my my armchair theory. Well, as I like to say several times, because I like to jump to conclusions often. This is terrible. This is great. This is wonderful. This is awful. Like in episode two, um, I but I've I've become to say is that you know we've got a long way to go here, guys, on on the show for the season. So we, you know, it, it even all the past ones they take turns and they'll be like, why are they spending epi- time on this episode for doing that or this? But we kind of have to see, I think, the series as a whole before we can really kind of judge where they're going with it and, and what they're doing. But um, for me, I like that they're exploring Mandalore stuff. It's pretty cool. I always liked. Um, Bo-Katan, it was an interesting character, the Death Watch whole thing. Um, I was also a big, um, um, oh, what's the Sith Lord who died, got cut in half? Um, Darth Darth Maul. Uh, I I was a big fan of him, uh, and they brought him back for, for this whole storyline. Um, so that was very cool to me in, in Rebels. Uh, I, I don't foresee him being brought back. It'd be weird if they did, but they could, um, and uh, I'm I'm in it 
as long as they stay with like Mandalorian stuff and making it more about Mandalore and not getting back to Tatooine with Boba Fett stuff. <laughs> um, that wasn't very interesting to me. Uh, so, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I have a complaint about the, his, his ship net still. I've kind of uh, made that <laughs> knowledge. It's so weird that he's got this fighter ship instead of like the razor crest, which is, a, you know, or slave one or millennium Falcon. You know, these are smuggling ships and slaving ships and things like that. So, um, he has got this little fighter with, with his little buddy. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll wait for that one. Uh, we got like five minutes left. So Dennis, you want to real quickly run into our show? We may not have a lot to talk about this one, but we can run through it real quick. Sure. Uh, this week we watched the losers from 2010 starring several future and maybe probably at this point not yet um uh uh mcu um alums that's not the right word (laughs) stars um yeah chris evans um idris elba and and zoe saldana what's the main guy's name morgan morgan something jeffrey dean morgan he has three names three names yeah yeah he 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 was comedian in um watchman right yeah Jeffrey Dean Morgan, which is Justin, right? Yeah. Thomas Wayne in Batman vs Superman. Oh, was he? I didn't. I guess I didn't see that one. Okay. I know he was the he I, was the main guy uh, in Walking Dead, the main bad guy for a long time. Um, hmm. But I, I did not watch that season. So four seasons. Uh, but he, he was good in this. I liked. Uh, I liked all of the characters. It was I. I picked this one. I had seen it, mm-hmm. and it, I had really poor. Um, opinions of Chris Evans at the time. I thought he was a fine uh, human torch, but the movie was terrible. The movies weren't, weren't all that great. And um, then they were, they would picked him for Captain America. Um, so I saw him in this and it changed my mind that I was begrudgingly like, okay, he was pretty fun. Um, and then everybody else was in it. And I realized while watching it this time, this is basically a team. This is the A team, but like, mm. but like good. Okay. Sure. The, the A team's really terrible. If you go back and watch the movie or the show, it's not all that. Um, but yeah, th- that's what this is. It's, it's kind of got some lighthearted, super one-liner quips everywhere. Um, it's based on a mm-hmm. comic book, uh, Fox, if you didn't know that one. And, and Justin. Vertigo. Vertigo comic book. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Vertigo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. DC owns them now. Right. I think they own Vertigo now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still that label, and uh, yeah, it's 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 not it's not a superhero thing. But it's based on a comic book, um, and it has a couple comic booky moments into it. But I thought it was a fun mm-hmm. ride. I really I really enjoyed watching. I liked all of the characters. Idris Elba is always badass, um, right. and it was nice to see that the twist there with him. Um, Zoe Saldana. This was one of the first things I saw her in that wasn't like Avatar. Um, right. And she was great or Star Trek or, or Star Trek. Right. Um, and I thought she was pretty great in this. Um, the three mm-hmm. named man was pretty cool. Pretty good too. Um, yeah, all of them seemed pretty cool and, and fun. And the dang movie went fast. Like it was just a very fast movie. Yeah. It, it throws you right in the action. It gives you just the absolute minimum, um, context and world building for what's happening just the characters and it's a little bit of a um 
a nonstop trope machine. At least oh, was yes, my I agree. My observation. It's the 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 positive way to say that is that it's a summer blockbuster. Yeah, right? that, that's it's well very done. Well said. Written yes. for the 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 stereotype like thirteen to seventeen year old boy kind of thing. Like a lot of stuff that I rolled my eyes at. A person in the right demographic would find hilarious and awesome mm-hmm. and epic and whatever. <laughs> right. um, there were several moments that I that I anticipated right before they happened because I was like, what is the most, uh, you know, he, um, he dives after that remote for the big bomb. And I'm like, well, obviously the big bomb's not going to go off and kill all the main characters the egg timer. on this island. And he dove in the water for that egg timer. I'm like, I'll bet his hand pops up first before the rest of him. Which is exactly what happened. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think the movie very, gives you exactly like, what you want at every turn, right? Like popcorn. Yeah. 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 They're, they're um, all down on their knees getting ready to be executed. You know, somebody's going to come in and do something awesome. And sure enough, they have a slow motion shot of her shooting a, like a rocket grenade under her shoulder or underneath her arm. An RPG at, yeah. at, at something else. And you're like, sure, these three guys handcuffed, you know, one of them with both his kneecaps just shot, <laughs> are going to take on eight dudes who are armed yeah. with guns. Um, and, and all of them are going to survive. Of course that's going to happen. And, and, and because um, the cinematography was good, it looks pretty cool. Like it was, all right, that was pretty cool, you know, but nothing yeah, like Yeah, legendary. it was still... It's a, I would, I think I was most taken by the, the lateness of this film. Like it's, it's just a year before Captain um, America, Captain America, mm-hmm. first Avenger yeah. and two years before Avengers, like we're post Iron Man already, but um, it's still, the action is very uh, uh, tight camera shots, very quick edits, um, you know, not quite as bad as like a um, wanted. Oh, oh, wanted. What's, nice what's call. The, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, or or Jason Gladiator. Um, yeah, was my was my observation of that. Um, and just very almost tongue in well, not tongue in cheek because that would be more like the more recent like uh, James Gunn Suicide Squad. Oh yeah, kind of things. This this had a little bit more earnestness to it. Yeah. Um, while still being pretty light silly yeah silly sometimes uh, yeah it's a little more derogatory than i mean but um yeah just a very different tone um than than the movies that would come out just a year and two years after this yeah i um well, I, I go ahead 2010 is also the year of scott pilgrim um, oh, he was in that, true. right? Yeah, Which I don't true. think quite matches the tone of Losers, if I'm remembering it correctly. I haven't seen it in years. From what I remember, Losers reminded me a lot of Crank. Uh, wow. which I well I done, like Justin, yeah. pulling these things I had forgotten. Also Jason came out yeah. that time. You're totally, um, totally right. High voltage, bombastic, um, you know, outrageous, but in a, in a grounded way. Yeah. And wasn't um, wanted at this time, too? Wanted was around this time. Yeah, I'm great with references. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, um, I, I did enjoy this movie, but I did feel that this was throughout the whole time. I couldn't stop recognizing at every turn that it's a an action comic book. Like this is a comic book. Yeah. It's an action comic book, not like a serious, um, um, you know, uh, graphic novel type thing. It's got a great big story to it. It's just 
a very simple um, action comic book. And that's what this is. And the storylines are very basic yeah. and straightforward and not complex. Um, you just want to see guys do cool things and that's it. And that's what this was. Um, and that's what I think it ended up being. So good, good on for them. I'd recommend it for people who love, like, you know, summer blockbuster. I think that was a well said description, Dennis. And the things that uh, uh, Fox and Justin said for uh, who it was with Wanted and um, uh, those kind of movies, Crank, that's these kind of movies. If you like those, this is definitely one to watch. And I like those kind of movies, especially during the summer when it's just something fun and dumb to watch. Um, I would still recommend this because there wasn't really a terrible spot in it. I mean, they were corny in general, but th- that's the whole movie. So that's okay. It's, yeah. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a bad movie. It, it, I think achieved what it set out to do. Yeah. It's uh, nice. You, it's nice of Dennis to describe it as a blockbuster. Cause I'm fairly certain this was a box office bomb. But that doesn't surprise me either. Could yeah. certainly <laughs> be considered a hidden gem from the time I think. I, that, that's a better description, yeah. yeah. But it, but it feels it had a little much. bit of like um, like Tropic Thunder, but not satirical. Yeah, right? yeah, uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. All right, Dennis, your your pick for this this week. Um, which, what's our time? Pick something quick because I got a question for Justin before we go. Okay. Um, I give you a dead. How 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 heavy of a movie do you want to watch, Michael? Uh. I don't what's know. Your, it's up what's to your you. week look like? It's fine. We got. I got to. I got to mentally prepare for Fox being in my state, but I'm fine. Fair. Okay. Fair. But that's. Let me. You got a. You got a week and a half. Well, I got a weekend that. to watch this, and then Fox will be there the next week. So, yeah. That's true. That's true. Uh, but but all right. Yeah. We'll, you can pick something heavier for this weekend because we've got. We can't watch something really heavy the next weekend. Next weekend. Okay. Then this week. Well, it's your pick next week. Yeah. So, so you get to choose. But. Um, all right. Well, you talked me into it. We're going to watch Kramer versus Kramer. <laughs> I've actually Oof. never seen this. So, <laughs> well, we get a no, laugh and an no, oof, no, Dennis. This is not making me feel good here. No, nor, nor, nor have I. Yeah, a derisive laugh and an oof. <laughs> well, right. well, to set us up, get, fellas. Wait, 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 well done. Um, okay. I'm busy yeah, next week. I can't come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, the thing I was going to ask Fox or that's not Fox Justin, so we can uh, wrap the show up for today. Um, uh, would you recommend Shazam two to people? Who would you recommend it to, and why? It's a very uh, thank you for asking. Um, <laughs> I have a fun fact. Sorry, for, sorry. Shazam exclamation point Fury of the yes, Gods. Fury of the Gods. Fun fact for uh, Kramer versus Kramer. Um, uh, Zack Snyder. Uh, in the decision to name Batman v Superman uh, Dawn of Justice, uh, said that the reason they chose V period instead of versus uh, was because he did not want the film to resemble Kramer versus Kramer. Um, He did not want anyone to mistake the the Batman versus Superman movie as a legal drama. Oh, it's a legal drama. I almost did. I really Uh, thought it was... I mean, there was some legal drama in it. Um, <laughs> oh. be fair so i understand that, i thought uh, this was i thought this was like jerry versus kramer i didn't realize it was like illegal I get it now. Yeah. uh minor spoilers for kramer versus kramer I, i'm sure you will enjoy it um <laughs> shazam exclamation point theory of the gods it i i really enjoyed it um this is a tonally i think great for uh young adults and teenagers um i think 
Um, if I was going to compare this to someone, I said this at the time, this felt very much like 2017 Power Rangers. Um, yeah, that was a good, that was a good comparison. You know, it's, it's a fun, uh, I think it, I think it, you could call it all ages, um, just action movie. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, I thought it was about on par with the first movie. If you like the first Shazam, if that's the target demographic you're going for, you like the first movie, I think you're definitely going to like this one as well. Um, I think it, I think it, I think one of the criticisms of Black Adam was failing to sort of hit this target demographic, that Black Adam was trying to be an, uh, a fun movie for all ages, and especially for sort of like those young teenagers um, that it, it failed to do. Uh, I think this movie accomplishes what Black Adam was trying to do much better. I agree. And I don't have much more to add to that, except to reinforce what you said with all those points. And I like the Black Adam comment because it failed on multiple fronts. Um, and the, the biggest one was that I think it was wanting to be some kind of movie that I couldn't figure out until you did tell me in the theater that like, this is what black Adam was being like, Oh yeah. That's the, the terrible kid parts. It was awful was probably what this was trying to be. And this mm-hmm. is done just way better. Probably cause better kids and better stuff. But yeah. Um, uh, I would say, um, Nathan would enjoy this one. Fox, by the way, this, I yep. think this is a, can I ask a question? I haven't seen I haven't seen Shazam exclamation point all that nonsense. Um, <laughs> I saw the first one, and the big criticism I had is that I felt like the younger Billy Batson actor reminded me nothing of Zachary Levi. Like I just felt like they were those two those two people lived in separate trailers and never spoke. Did that yeah. get better in this movie by chance? I will say that uh, Justin can correct me if I'm wrong here. I don't think that the kid Billy Batson's in it a whole lot. Like he's primarily Shazam exclamation point. Mm-hmm. The, the, okay. the whole movie. That would also make sense because that kid actor was terrible. Yeah. He he's in it and he has lines, but it's not enough to really like when he when they're hanging out with friends now, like he's he's uh Shazam. So right. uh and and which is a probably a good choice because Zachary Levi was better in that role. And you're right, the kid was Totally different. And I agree with you, Fox. Uh, so the only thing I can say to that is that they, there just wasn't enough. That kid, that kid really wasn't on the screen a lot to have a so, lot of So, yeah, scenes. you couldn't even notice as much when he's not. It's only in one form. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's, he, when he is, they are still very different. He's more serious and, a, and has this family thing. And then, you know, Zachary Levi is constantly quipping and joking and, and being fun yeah. and goofy. Yeah, He, act, he actually acts like he's, 14 instead of 18, which Billy's supposed to be 18 in this one or 17 in like nine months. Yeah. Um, but Zachary Levi is acting like he's a 14 or 15 year old. Um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, cool. I think that's it, Dennis. Thanks guys for coming on the show. It's been a long talk about last of us and some other good things we've got. Uh, I think really good stuff that uh, perspectives. Thanks for spending the night with us. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Thank you. This, this was a was real pleasure. All right. Well, this has been The Front Porch, um, episode 289. Uh, As always, you can reach out to us via email. If you want to tell us your favorite moments from The Last of Us, that address is frontporchpod at gmail.com. Or you can go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, and use contact forms there to reach out. There are also sometimes show notes. I don't think there will be any for this episode, but there were last week. 
Uh, if you enjoy the show, please consider subscribing on the podcast of your choice. And while you're there, if you leave us a review, we just appreciate that. It helps out a lot. As always, thanks so much for joining us. Um, and for all of us here, this has been The Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time. Bye.